Read the Bible in faith. Read the Bible in repentance and keep reading it. Moses says, all the days of your life, fill your heart with the promises of God. Shape your will by the commandments of God. Guard your life with the words of God. Then you will be able to face the temptations of money and of sex and of power. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, at least on some level, all of us have uh, some role of leadership here. And so today's message sounds like a really a helpful word of warning for all those in some sort of leadership position. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we're looking in the book of Deuteronomy where God speaks very directly about leadership and lays out the particular temptations that every leader will face. Yeah. And guess what? Thousands of years ago, these temptations... It's the same big three, isn't money, it? Money, sex, and power. And they're all addressed in Deuteronomy, uh, as well as, of course, in so many other places in the Scripture. And then God lays out for leaders how we are to pursue lives of integrity that are going to be honouring to the Lord. So whatever the sphere in which God has given you leadership, we're going to look today in the scriptures at what it will take for you to be a godly leader, for your influence to honour the Lord. It's all in the book of Deuteronomy. Well, we are going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 16 through 18 today. So grab a Bible, join us there as we continue lead by learning to follow. Here is Pastor Colin. There are particular temptations that all leaders face. So inasmuch as God has given any trust, any responsibility to you, you need to be particularly aware of the special temptations that come to those who are trusted with leadership in any sphere, whether it be in the church or anywhere else. And focusing in particularly on what is said to the king here, and we're told that the king will face particular temptations that come from three directions. As soon as I say them, you'll say, oh, I might have guessed. Money, sex, power. Anything new there? That's right there in the book of Deuteronomy. Here are the the temptations that leaders face. Number one, power. The king must not acquire for himself great numbers of horses. Now, I've observed, I think this is a common reality of life. Most leaders would like to have more power. But God says to the king, be very careful about that. All kings have horses. But don't acquire great numbers of horses for yourself. In other words, don't try to become a power. It'll be a temptation to you. With regards to temptation in the sexual sphere, verse 17. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. Now, you know that it was common in those days for a king to have not simply a wife, but to have a harem. And uh, wives from different royal families from surrounding nations would be taken and there would be a great wedding. And this was a means in the ancient world of sealing political alliances. And inevitably, with many wives, there came into the royal court the worship of many gods. This is what happened to King Solomon. And the Bible says it turned his heart from the Lord. I think there are other applications of this that speak to us. You know, a man with one wife has the gift of someone next to him who can tell him the truth. Isn't that a good thing? Do you think a man with a harem ever hears the truth? 
Really? Think about it. A man with a harem is surrounded not with the truth, but with the sweet fog of flattery and lies. And God says this leads the heart astray. Someone who speaks the truth in your life, not a group of flatterers. And in our time, when we live in a culture that is saturated with pornography, Christian men are surrounded by many women. And God says this leads the heart astray. So beware of the lure of this temptation. Then with regards to money, verse 17, he must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. Now, you can see the point of this because being the king, I mean, if you were the king, think of the opportunities to accumulate large amounts of personal wealth. And God says, now, as you're given the trust of being the king, you're not to use this for your own advantage. You are not to do this. Don't use your position for personal gain. That's what he's saying. Now, are you not struck as you see this in the Bible, how human nature never changes? The temptations that God's people were facing more than 3,000 years ago and half a world away are exactly the same temptations that leaders face here and around the world today. So knowing that these are the um, temptations that leaders face, was there anyone surprised by any of this, by the way? Was anyone surprised? Of course not. But knowing that these are the temptations that leaders distinctively face, the question becomes, how is the king to face these temptations and to overcome them? So I move from identifying three temptations that leaders face to one priority for leaders to pursue. And it's simply this. Saturate your life in the word of God. It's the only way to stand against temptation. You saturate your life in the word of God. And notice how this is spelled out for the king. First, he's told he's to write the word. Verse 18. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of the law. Now, this is so fascinating. Nobody else in Israel was required to write out the entire book of Deuteronomy by hand. But the king is. Here's this man and he's given such a trust and he's given such a responsibility. When he's crowned, his first task is not to go and rule. His first task is to go and learn how to rule. And he learns this by writing out the word of God. That is the book of Deuteronomy, this law. He writes out the 34 chapters in his own hand on a scroll that he keeps with him for the rest of his life. His own personal copy. It's almost as if the people of God, when they place the crown on the king's head, they're saying to the people, now we're placing this trust in you and we need to know that the word of God is in you. And that the word of God dwells in you richly. We need that word of God to be deeply in you more than we need it to be deeply in anyone else. So here's what we want you to do. You go off into the study. 
take the crown off your head and you sit down with a copy of the book of Deuteronomy and you write out on a scroll in your own hand, word for word, every word that God has given so that it will be in you. This is what we want you to do. How long do you think it took? You know, when we read the book of Deuteronomy, it took two and three quarter hours. We read the entire book out loud. What a wonderful evening that was. My guess is that to write the entire book of Deuteronomy, which I've not done, but then I'm not a king. Um, My guess is it's probably a full week's work. And there the king is. Can you picture him? And he's writing. There's this long scroll. And it's his personal copy of this book, the word of God. Now, when he's written it, what's he to do next? Look at what it says, verse 19. It, that is this personalized handwritten copy of the book of Deuteronomy, is to be with him. And he's to read it all the days of his life. It's to be with him. So this, you picture the scroll now, he's written it out, it's rolled up, it's to be on his nightstand. And uh, it's to be in his study. And when he goes into meetings, he's to take it with him. And when he walks from one room to another, can you picture the king with his robe and with his crown, and he's walking from one room to another. Behind him, there's an assistant, and what's he carrying? He's carrying the scroll, because the king's going to want to refer to it. Every day, every day. Have the Bible on your nightstand. Put the Bible on your desk. Bring the Bible to the church. Bring the Bible on the train. Have the Bible when you're in meetings. Let it be with you. But not only with you, because you can have it with you and have it closed. You're to read it. Read it all the days of your life. As you read the Bible, it will shape your thinking. It will form your character. It will energize your life. It will direct your ministry. Read the Bible in faith, read the Bible in repentance, and keep reading it, Moses says, all the days of your life. Fill your heart with the promises of God. Shape your will by the commandments of God. Guard your life with the words of God. Then you will be able to face the temptations of money and of sex and of power. Now, King David, who was the best of a very mixed bunch, In the Old Testament. King David had his own personal failures. You know about that. But King David gives us this testimony. As he sought to follow the Lord. With all his heart, soul, mind and strength. You'll find it in Psalm 119 and verse 11. He says this. This is how I'm trying to do it. I'm a man, David is saying, who's failed in many ways. But here's what I'm doing. I have hidden your word in my heart. That I might not sin against you. You see what he's saying? This is my defense. This is how I'm able to stand against temptation. By taking in the word of God day by day, day by day, I'm hiding it in my heart. Filling my life with it. Spurgeon made this marvelous comment about John Bunyan. Spurgeon was a great fan of John Bunyan and of his profoundly biblical writing. And Spurgeon says this, Bunyan studied the Bible till his whole being was saturated with scripture. And then Spurgeon says, when you read Bunyan, 
you feel as if you want to say, this man is a living Bible. If you prick him anywhere, you will find that his blood is bibline. It's a very famous line from Spurgeon that. You prick him anywhere, you'll find that his blood is bibline. You see, it's in him. And Spurgeon went on to say the very essence of the Bible flows from him. He cannot speak without quoting a text and his soul is full of the word of God. Friends, that's the kind of leader we want, isn't it? That's the kind of pastor I want to be. If you're aiming for ministry, take this as foundational for your life. Aim to be that kind of elder, aim to be that kind of father, that kind of leader in your own home. Seek to be that kind of Christian. If you were to prick him anywhere, his very blood is bibline. It's in him. Now you see, that's what God's saying is critical for the king and therefore critical for all who have spiritual leadership and everyone who wants to be useful in the work of Jesus Christ. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith, a message called Lead by Learning to Follow. We're going to pause here, but we'll get back to this message from the book of Deuteronomy in just a moment. This message is part of our series, Take Two, The Power of a Fresh Start. And if you want to get a copy of the entire series on CD, ask about that when you call us at 1-877-OPEN-365. That's 1-877-673-6365 or you'll find ordering information online at openthebible.org. Back to the message. Here's Pastor Colin. So write it, God says to the king, and then read it. Have it with you always and and read it. Get, Get it into you. Let your life be saturated in the word of God. Don't be one of these folks who has a Bible for years that hardly looks like it's been opened. And then, of course, God says, obey the word. It's to be with him, verse 19. He's to read it all the days of his life. Why? So that he may learn to revere the Lord his God. There's the fruit. And follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees. So the king will have his philosophy. The king will have his own vision and his own values, as every leader does. But he must allow the word of God to be constantly rebuking him and correcting him and teaching him. The word of God must always be shaping his thinking, always be challenging his ideas. That is why one of the great cries of the Reformation was this. Semper Reformanda. Semper Reformanda. That's what the reformers said, which means always reforming. Always reforming. See, what the reformers had grasped was this. We we don't want to be the kind of people who say, hey, we've got justification by faith worked out, and so we've got everything in place. We know it all. The reformers were wise enough to grasp, as Luther said, my mind is captive to the word of God, that a true Christian is a person who is always seeking to grow and to develop and to be challenged and to be stretched by the word of God. However long you've been a follower of Christ. So the true Christian leader is always being challenged by the word, always being humbled by it, always learning from it. We are not to pose as people who think we've got it all right, but as people who are always seeking humbly to follow the word of God. 
So write it, read it, obey it. Now, the very last thing is simply this. Who is this king who bears all these marks and overcomes all these temptations and follows all these laws? And you know where I'm going. You, you read through the Old Testament story at the various kings that follow in the Old Testament scriptures. And with a few exceptions, they were pretty much a sorry lot, weren't they? The vast majority of them surely never wrote out a word of the book of Deuteronomy. In fact, in the later period of Israel's history, instead of being copied out by hand by every new king, what happened was that the copy of the word of the Lord, which was in the possession of the priests, was left to languish and gather dust in a vault in the temple. Until in the time of Josiah, you may remember that story, it was found and Josiah heard something for the first time he'd never even heard before. And even the greatest king, David, failed in his own calling and found himself as a leader hanging on the mercy of God, which is the position that every true Christian leader is always in. So, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. And because he is God with us, he has all authority in himself. And God's anointing is on him. And he's bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. And so he truly is a king from among God's people. And he is saturated in the word of God. Even as a, as a young boy in the temple, the, his mind is filled. Look at how many times the Lord Jesus quotes from the Old Testament scriptures and especially the book of Deuteronomy. He goes out into the desert. He overcomes temptation, his great humility. He does not come riding into the city on a great massive horse. He comes into the city riding on a donkey. And this king, because he is God, is also the priest who on the cross makes himself to be the sacrifice for our sins to reconcile us to God. And because he is God with us, he rises from the dead because death cannot keep a hold on him. And he comes to his disciples and you remember what he says. He says, all authority, not just some of it, not parceled out authority, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. In other words, he is the prophet, he is the priest, he is the king, and he is the judge. Therefore, see the point, therefore, because all authority is given to him, because he is the prophet, priest, and king, and judge, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's why. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We are to call people from every nation from every culture to faith in Jesus Christ, to become followers of Jesus Christ. Why? Because all authority belongs to him. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And so here's the thing that I want us to take away now. When you know who Jesus is, then you will grasp what it means to follow him. He is the prophet. So to follow Christ is to believe his word. It means that I give up the right of saying, well, Jesus says this, but I think that. To become a follower of Jesus means for you, if you are his follower, that his word defines truth for you. 
And when you have a different thought from his word, you're wrong and you change your mind. That's what it means for us to submit ourselves to the word of God. Christ to be the prophet in authority over us, not the one who suggests ideas to us. And following Christ means that we trust in his sacrifice because not only is he the one who speaks the word of truth to us, he is the priest who offers himself as the sacrifice for us. So to be a Christian means that you trust the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has made of himself, the shedding of his blood, the tearing of his own body in order to make atonement for your sins. And because Jesus is the judge, To be a follower of Jesus means that you accept Christ's judgment. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You say, what does it mean for me to accept Christ's judgment about me? Listen. We are justified by faith. Through Jesus Christ our Lord and in this way we have peace with God. What's his judgment about you? If you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's his judgment about you. You have peace with God. And that's how you get peace in your own soul. You accept the judge's verdict about you. Which is why Paul says in Romans in chapter 8. It's God who justifies. So who is he who condemns? When someone says to me. Well I know God's forgiven me but I can't forgive myself. I say something like this. Well, if the blood of Jesus was good enough for God to forgive you, are you putting yourself in a higher position than that? Good enough for him, but not good enough for me? And because he is king, to be a follower of Christ means to obey Christ's command. He says to his redeemed people, if you love me, you will obey my command. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Lead by Learning to Follow, one of the messages in our series called Take Two, The Power of a Fresh Start, a series where we're taking a look at the book of Deuteronomy. And if you missed any of the broadcasts in our series, you can come and listen online. Our website is openthebible.org and you can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. Again, that's at openthebible.org. You can also listen if you have the Open the Bible app. That's free. You're going to find that at your app store, and it's a great way to stay connected with Pastor Collins' teaching when you're on the go. Again, the app is free. You'll find it at your app store or listen online at openthebible.org. Well, Open the Bible is able to be on the station because of your generosity. Being listener-supported, it is your financial giving that keeps this ministry strong. So thank you for supporting Open the Bible. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a book written by Alistair Begg. It is called The Christian Manifesto. And Colin, how might we benefit from reading this book? Well, The Christian Manifesto sets out what Jesus Christ calls us to. I mean, what are we to be in this world? What are we to promote in this world? What are we to do in this world? What are we for in this world? That's the heart of what Jesus is teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount or in Luke's version. It's called the Sermon in the Plain. And Alistair draws out this teaching of Jesus in a wonderfully winsome and applied way. It's so practical. It's so full of grace. And it's so helpful and so encouraging. At its heart, what we're called to is a life in which we love those with whom we radically disagree, speak with gentleness and kindness at all times to all people, 
and to focus first on dealing with our own sins rather than with the sins of others. Now, that's very different from much of what we see around us. And yet it's the life that Jesus calls us to pursue. And in pursuing that life, Christians are going to shine like lights in the darkness that's around us. Well, we would love to send you a copy of this book, The Christian Manifesto, is our way of saying thank you for financially supporting Open the Bible this month. You can call us at 1-877-OPEN-365. That's 1-877-673-6365. Or you can find out more or give a gift online at openthebible.org. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. If you knew that you were going to speak with your loved ones for the last time, what would you say? Find out what Moses said next time on Open the Bible.